Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Our guest today, Seabass of WNWS of Jackson, Tennessee. We will talk Vanderbilt football and some basketball as well. The title sponsor of our podcast this year is Jody Jones DDS, trusted for his creative design and committed to both the function and aesthetics of your smile. Jody Jones provides a range of sought-after dental and cosmetic dentistry services at his practice in Nashville. He's earned the title of number one in Nashville for his cosmetic dentistry and provides a unique luxury environment for patients who want his famous Hollywood smile or other services. Patients enjoy getting services from Dr. Jones and his attentive team in a spy-like atmosphere. Dr. Jones has worked with many artists, movie stars, and celebrities over the years and is dedicated to providing first-rate results to all of his patients. He never compromises quality so patients can be confident they will always receive the highest level of care Thank you to Jody Jones DDS for making this season of the podcast possible. Seabass appears on our guest line today. The guest line is presented by Bowl and Branch, started by Vanderbilt graduates Scott and Missy Tannen. I had no clue how comfortable Bowl and Branch sheets could be until I got some. They are fair trade certified, meaning they are made under safe conditions by men and women treated and paid fairly. Try them free for a month. You can return them, but you won't want to. Once you get the sheets, try the mattress. That was voted the best mattress of 2018. Go to BowlingBranch.com. That is spelled B-O-L-L. Enter the promo code VANDY and get $50 off your first set of sheets. Our news is presented by our good friends at Sutherland and Belk, an SEC sports-loving injury firm in Nashville. These guys will shoot you straight on your rights and options when you have been injured in an accident. Please call them at 615-846-6200 to get your questions answered. You can also visit them online at sbinjurylaw.com. The SEC media preseason basketball poll has been released. Vanderbilt picked last Among the SEC's 14 teams, the Commodores did not place a player on either the first or second team All-SEC squad. Seabass joins us from WNWS in Jackson, Tennessee, on what should be an interesting night for both of us, my friend. Thank you for joining us today. Woo, man, what a night it is, too, sir. I know we're here to talk a little... Commodore Athletics, but you know what tonight is, baby. It's going down in the 615, your Titans, my Colts. And here's what's on the line tonight, Chris. If the Titans win this game, they walk out of there with basically a three-game lead. But if they lose this game, the Colts actually walk out of the game, out of this, out of that game, out of the six-one-five with a lead. They have the same exact record, and the Colts would have at least at this point the tiebreaker of head-to-head. Whereas if the Titans win tonight, they'll be seven and two, and the Colts will be five and four, and the Titans would have the head-to-head. So they would basically be three games up with seven to play. That's what's on the line for this one game. It's a three-game swing basically tonight. And the 615, you better lace it up, baby, because it is going down. We're also going to have to figure out how to get my son to bed because I know he's going to want to watch. 
Well, 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 uh, yo, yo, can I stop you for just a second? As somebody who loves David very much, not as much as you love him, obviously, let him watch this game. Oh, he'll get at least the first quarter. Uh, well, what kind of mess is that? Look, I mean, what if what if it's uh, you know middle of the second quarter and it's a fourteen to fourteen slugfest? Yeah, and you have you a know, point there. I know he's got a big day at the. I know he's got a big day at the office tomorrow. But let me tell you something. When I was David's age, I was sneaking back in and watching Monday Night Football. I had to hear what was it? Was it Howard Cosell that did the Monday Night Highlights? Yes. I want to. I want to say. Man, you know, they told me, you got to go to bed. I didn't have to go to bed. Look, I snuck in. I snuck back in Washington. Look how I turned out. Exactly. You know what? You know what? Never mind. Don't let him watch that game tonight. I'll take it all back. Well, if he sneaks out, Dad might not tell on him. But if Mom gets up and sees it, we'll both be in big trouble. You just tell her to call me. <laughs> You'll work it all out. <laughs> you got it, man. Well, let's get into Vandy football. The last game against Mississippi State, I think, had a better outcome than we both expected. What were your takeaways? Oh, well, two things. I don't, I, I refuse. I, yes, you're right, and I know what you mean, but I'll never call a loss a better outcome. I appreciate the effort that they clearly can have that game is what we saw in College Station for a good chunk of that game. Uh, the potential of this football team. Let me tell you, I'm a thousand percent convinced. Now, I know who won the, the football game. I watched every second of it. I'm aware. But just overall, Vanderbilt's definitely a better football team, which is a weird thing to say. Mississippi State is hot garbage right now. I mean, they're just terrible. Uh, it took, if they'd have been playing anyone else in this conference, they'd have lost by five touchdowns on Saturday. Uh, what the bull the bulldogs would have. I mean, I'm trying to remember. There were no turnovers by the bulldogs. Is that right? Was it five to nothing in the turnovers? That is correct. Okay, five turnovers. Uh, a couple deep inside the red zone. Vanderbilt out, out, out gains them by over 260 yards. Holds them to uh, help me out, Chris. Negative 22 yards rushing. Is that right? I believe that is correct. That is with sacks, but it wasn't pretty. I think it was. Right, just over a yard per carry, even without sacks. That's a that's a recipe to you know get your head caved in unless you unless you get five turnovers, five gifts, especially uh, deep in, inside the red zone, and I think one or two inside the end zone. And you just can't have that. You can't you can't beat the worst of teams that way. Uh, Vanderbilt was definitely the better football team there. Uh, but they again found ways to, to new creative ways to lose a football game. But I got to tell you, uh, I thought the effort, the physicality, the play calling, everything else, uh, uh, and, and boy, Keon out of the backfield, uh, man, he's going crazy right now. He looked great in that football game. And, uh, you know, look, there was a lot to like about this. Uh, I think Cam Johnson gets better every single week. We, you know, they cut down the turnovers by even one, and they're likely walking out of Starkville with a win. But at the end of the day, Chris, they did not walk out of Starkville with a win. They are 0-5, and there's still a whole lot to work on, and it looks like we're going to have fewer people to work on it. Yeah, we'll get to that fewer people portion in the mailbag, which I'm going to get to here in a minute because we have tons of questions. But before that, you actually beat me to one of the topics that I wanted to discuss. I have just thought that Keon Henry Brooks was just a guy. And look, Ole Miss was not very good. And Mississippi State was just one game against a pretty good defense. But 
Is it time to start considering him as more than just a guy? Um, maybe. You know, it might, maybe he's a, he's certainly a guy that knows what to do with the football when he gets it. He doesn't waste a lot of time. He's got good hands. Uh, you know, he, he's pretty quick. Um, I, I I don't have a lot. To, I, I don't have a lot to nitpick about his game. Uh, you know, and look, think about it. This is a guy who last year. I mean, he was clearly the number two, but he was behind. I mean, think about this. Talking about setting the bar. The cat was behind what many people, at least this person, uh, considers to be the best running back in Vanderbilt history. Uh, you know, and, and so when we went from Keon or from Keyshawn to Keyon, um, there was a drop. I mean, especially as a true freshman, clearly there was. So, you know, I mean, he couldn't flash the things that the Red Mama did. And, you know, did I, did it get held against him? Maybe a little bit, but the truth is he didn't exactly flash. I mean, he had a, I know he had a big touchdown run, but it was, uh, I remember it was a huge hole that anybody with any speed probably would have been able to do, to replicate. Uh, but now we're getting an opportunity to see him as a feature back, you know, and getting him out in space a little bit more because that's what it looks like we're trying to do these days. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, look, let's remember something. This is still very early on in his career and his development, but I got to tell you, uh, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the last couple of samples uh, ha- have been pretty productive. I mean, this is a guy that it looks like to me going forward uh, definitely needs to have the football in his hand. I mean, especially uh, with that in that rotation, he is clearly uh, the, the number one back in this offense right now. I don't think that's debatable at all. Yeah, well, especially with Marlowe not even on the depth chart this week, nobody seems to know what's going on there. He's not even one of the three backs they list. In fact, they list Mitchell Pryor on there who's a walk-on. So I don't know where that stands, but it does beg a question. Let's say that they had Marlowe back for Saturday against Kentucky. I think you start moving him around, maybe getting them both on the field at once, maybe using him in the slot a bit. I think that's absolutely right. Absolutely. And and I'll tell you something else. Look, for whatever the situation is, and I'm not going to get into coaching searches and, you know, who's going to be the coach next year or whatever. All I'll say is that, that, that if everybody's there, that I look at this team this time next year and from a skill position set and I, and I start looking at who Ken Seals can get the football to, I'm thinking about Henry Brooks. I'm thinking about Johnson. I'm thinking about Rockman. I'm thinking about Bresnahan. And all of a sudden, these are decent weapons. You know, I mean, we've seen some Vanderbilt offense didn't have anybody to get to, to make plays. Nobody who could get separation from a defender. Nobody with any type of speed to get to the edge, uh, you know, or tight ends that didn't have a whole lot of hands. I'll just say this, you know, because I totally believe, and I think you do too, that whatever the situation is, whatever Vanderbilt football looks like, that Ken Seals is at the epicenter of that. And we need to make sure that he's got the type of weapons. Because even when your offensive line isn't as efficient as you'd like it to be, you can make your offense more of a quick-hitting offense and kind of, you know, look, if you have no line in regards to pass pro, that's when you start doing hitches. That's when you start making doing some motion, some, some read concept football. And then all of a sudden, you know, you make up for it a little bit. Now, nothing truly – uh, is, there's nothing truly like having a good, solid offensive line. But until we can get that done and we can get the depth built up there and solidify all that, it's great to be able to surround this young quarterback uh, with the weapons that he needs. And I, and I think that we're starting to see some of these young weapons start to develop, and I think that's a good thing going forward. 
you know, I hate to call this guy out, but I'm a little disappointed in Amir Abdul-Rahman because you know what I've thought of him for three years now. And it seemed like since the LSU game, which that's where he got taken out by maybe the best cover corner in America, right? So that's one that you can sort of write off. But I don't know if that sapped his confidence or what's going on, but he just hasn't been much of a factor. He fumbled one away at State. That's one that I thought would be progressing better than he is. Maybe so. Yeah, and I agree with that. I just think that, you know, right now – and the only way to truly get out of that is going to be opportunity. And what's clear right now is that eight's looking for seven. You know what I'm saying? I mean, uh, eight's looking for 86. Eight's looking for is, uh, Henry Brooks 21. I think that's right. Yeah. But especially in the passing game, eight is looking for seven. But also remember that Cam is doing the intermediate work. Now, Cam's probably faster than uh, Rockman, I would imagine. But Amir it seems to be more that guy 10 yards plus, you know, Jump balls, going up, trying to get it, making, getting separation, uh, some seam routes, things like that. Cam, it seems like we're getting Cam involved a lot more with what, quick, Chris? Quick hitches, you know, and off screens and letting him do his work after the catch. That's where it looks like to me that's what they're trying to do. And, and look, the fact is they have to establish this, this short to intermediate passing game before they can do anything else through the air. Yeah, you need a dependable guy who can get you short guards in – a lot of little chunks here and there, and he's that guy now. I don't know if that's what's changed the offense, is just them being more comfortable, but the production has gone way up the last two weeks, and he's been a big part of it. He's caught, what, 24 balls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been dialed in, and he's he's done well after the catch. And see, that's the thing. You know, it's 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 after the catch. Cam adds a, a certain element. He's one of those guys that could bust it at any time if you don't make a sure tackle. Hey, I hate to rush to the mailbag, but I know that you don't have a lot of time, and I know we have a ton of questions, so before I do that, did you have anything else? No, not really. Did the media make some predictions on SEC basketball today? If they did, I didn't see them. They did. Vanderbilt was last and did not have a player on either the first or second team, which is what I expected. Okay, Okay. and and that's fine, but I'm just, you know, all I'll say – I'm a little more optimistic about this team than others. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not calling this. I'm not calling that. I'm not telling they're going to have a 500 record in conference. I don't know that. If I can replace some of the walk-on minutes with guys like Isaac McBride and Kyle Lawrence, I, I think this team is headed in the right direction. And here's the other question. What did they lose that they can't live without? Well, I don't see another saving Lee on the roster. I guess you presume no. Neesmith was already gone. Because he didn't well, play yeah, the I'm last. I'm not counting Smith because we right. didn't have him last year anyway. So, you know, of course, Saban. But I, I honestly, now, Chris, you call me a lunatic if you want to, and I love Saban. I think it may be better for this roster. Now, I know that sounds stupid, but I'm talking about their development, you know, their opportunity. And then not, not that Saban was a ball hog by any stretch of the imagination. They needed the points he delivered for them. I love them. But I, I think some of these cats are, uh, especially our perimeter players, are talented, but they're going to need the opportunity to do so and can't and don't want to just sit back and rely on a person. I want to see this offense develop, you know. And I, and I think the tendency was get the ball to Saban. He's the only way we're going to score here. Until the end of the season when, when Pippen's offensive game really started to take off a little bit too. 
and his defense, by the way, because I'm pretty sure you'd agree that the difference as a defender, the first half of the season with Scotty as opposed to the second half, to me anyway, looked very different. Yeah, I've forgotten a lot, honestly. I mean, I do think he got better to how much I don't remember. I know that first at conference play, he was just lost out there. Yeah, agreed. I'll tell you, if nothing else, this team's going to be fun to watch. I'm looking forward to the basketball season. I really am. Let's go to the mailbag. By the way, there'll be another basketball question or two in there uh, that we'll get to. But the mailbag is presented by Vanderbilt fan Josh Minton, an independent insurance agent operating out of Brentwood who can take care of all your insurance needs. Call Josh today at 615-933-1979. Email him at josh at hqinsurance.com. Follow him on Twitter at joshuamintonhq or facebook.com forward slash jdmintonhq. He is my insurance agent. Give him a try and tell him you heard about him on our podcast. Okay, this is the big topic around football currently. This comes from VandyFan96. What are Seabass's thoughts on yet another transfer opt-out, this time Frank Coppett, leaving the program? Additionally, what should we look forward to for the remainder of the season? Of course, D.C. Williams also transferred out. That was after the question. So two of the, the four guys that will be there starting DB. And by the way, there were... There was at least one other high-profile team tweeting uh, some less-than-happy remarks before he deleted them, too. So, just a week. What I would say is this, which is concerning to me, is, and, and I, I mean, I don't know if it's a positional thing or if it's an overall thing, but those are all basically playing the same position. They're in the same room, and I know you know what I mean by that. They're DBs. Is there is there an issue there, a personality issue? Because playing time is certainly there. Why is the immediate unrest, I guess might be the right way to, uh, to, to phrase this, coming from that one position? I think it's coincidental, but I could be wrong. From what I hear, the disenchantment is just coming from the school. I don't think it's related to the coaching staff. I think it's above Derek's head. I've said that for a long time, and you can see why. And the weight room fiasco with the, with the air conditioning this summer. I mean, it's just stuff like that constantly. Uh, this weekend, yeah, uh, they take a couple of buses to Starkville. Why you don't fly a team in the night before and get them there no later than mid-afternoon is beyond me. I mean, you're an SEC school. Act like one. Uh, I think one of the buses may have gotten there after 10 o'clock. Maybe well after. I'm not sure exactly what time it arrived, but I think the other one got there before nine, but how in the world when you've got an hour's drive or more to the stadium from where they stayed, which I think was Tupelo, what in the world are you thinking as an athletic director letting your team do that? I, I don't have a good answer for that, and I'm not going to try to give you one because there isn't one. Commodore fans, because uh, your little answers, you're not going to get any out of them, and I think we all know that. Uh, I am at the point now, Chris, so this is where I am. I am at the point where I am putting my hope and putting my eggs in the basket of, of Chancellor Deermeyer because he seems like somebody uh, who recognizes that there is major issues going on in that athletic department and at that university. And it looks to me that he is sincere about wanting to make those changes. Is he going to be able to do it? I don't know. But at least I know that we have somebody 
at the top of the food chain who wants to make that happen. That's where I'm at right now. It's no longer about, you know, the AD. I, I mean, I don't have that faith in that, and I'm not going to. If you coulda, you woulda. If you wanted to make those uh, changes, if you wanted to be that type of AD, you would have already done it without the heat on you. That ship has sailed to me. My ship right now is docked in the port of Deermeyer McClellan and hope that that's where the future takes us. As far as asking why the current regime would do this and that, I'm past that, Chris. They, they, they've proven they're uninterested in it. And so I'm just going to hope that Deermeyer swings a big enough hammer to make the changes that are necessary because if he does and if he can, man, I'm just telling you, one of the things that keeps me going is knowing that there's a lot of us out there. There's a bunch of us out there. We proved that in these bowl games. We've proven that at Memorial and years for years at times. We've proven that at Hawkins Field for years and years. There is a good fan base here. It's just beaten down right now, you know. And it, but you know what? That's not a unique thing to to our people. You tell me any school in America who had, his fan base had been treated the way that we had that would still be solvent and still be out doing their thing. They wouldn't. Nobody would. We're not any worse or anything like that. We're just as passionate and loyal to our, our team as anybody else is. But the difference is is those, those schools don't tend to try to mock their fan bases. This one has. But maybe, just maybe, just maybe, Commodore fans – Better days are on the horizon. VU Matt23 says, as a follow-up to that question, do the additional transfers of Coppett and Williams sort of put a nail in the coffin for any argument of good culture at Vanderbilt? And how big of a role would the perceived change in the view of the culture play if Mason gets fired or not? I have an answer to that, but I'll let you give yours first. I'll be interested in yours, but I don't have one because I don't know why they left. I mean, they could be complete, co- completely coincidental. There's no fun in miserable football, and it's no fun feeling like you're being shortchanged by the university who promised to, you know, prepare you for the real world in every aspect. So I don't know why they left. Maybe you do, and you can add some more insight to that. Would, would the transfers of Coppin and Williams be the final nail? I don't think that would be the case. Does it speak to the situation? Maybe, but again, Chris, and maybe you have an answer. I don't know why they left. Well, with Coppett, my understanding is I don't think he was going to get cleared to play. I guess there's an injury or some sort of situation in there. And like I said, I think the backdrop is that these kids are all just disgusted and frustrated and and fed up. And by the way, I will read you the tweet of another player who was not one of the ones who hit the portal this week. I will leave this guy nameless. This player deleted the tweet a few minutes later. But his tweet was simply, my college experience has been garbage. Yeah. And, And understanding that could mean a couple of different things. You know, but that person being a football player and a very good one, by the way, that's going to give cause for concern from a fan base, as it should. But that could be about a bunch of different things. You know, the one thing that I would think that if the football side of the experience was going well, that you probably wouldn't have seen that tweet. So I'm sure it had something to do with that. But it sucks. But, I mean, I don't really know what to do about that. Well, look, we all know the score with Derek, and I'm not defending him. But I will tell you this – 
I hear a lot of complaints about football, and I think people get frustrated with the the stuff that fans get frustrated with. I'm sure the team does at times, but I do genuinely think they like him. The problems that those kids have are generally not with Derek Mason or not with the coaching staff. I'm not going to say that's always the right. case, but as somebody put to me this week, and this was this person's answer to that question, essentially, Mason can get fired or leave or whatever, but it's not going to change things. And I think that's well, very, I mean, very telling. And do you believe that that's the case? I mean, because if that's the case, then talking about Jeremiah or anybody else is, 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 is fruitless. It's useless. If those same people are that have their claws dug in uh, are not going to be dealt with, then then we're we're wasting our breath doing a podcast here. Well, let me sidestep the whole thing. What have I been saying since February? Well, I've been saying a lot of things. Let me let me cut to the chase. Well, I have I have consistently said this, and it was for different reasons then than it is now, or for some different reasons. But I will stand by this. I think before they made any big moves with athletics, they needed to take a deep, hard look at that program and things that affect it. And, and the people who affect it and conduct an investigation from outside the school before they made major decisions about what to do. I said it then. I have no evidence they did it. I think that was a monumental mistake. And by the way, I hear good things about Daniel Deermeyer, but let's be clear here, okay? Uh, whether it was him or somebody else, he's the one that went ahead and made the premature permanent decision on athletic director. In my book, that's a mark against him. The media relations fiasco also happened on his watch. By the way, they still have the same guy doing men's and women's basketball media relations. I don't know how that's going to work. So I don't know if Deermeyer is just thinking, I'm going to let my people do my jobs for a while and see how they do, good, bad, and indifferent. And if they, in the process, hang themselves with that, okay, we move on later, but I'll give them a chance to do their jobs without interference. They are doing so much permanent damage to athletics right now. I am concerned that somebody posted on our board about this, in so many words, being equivalent to death penalty. I think that's what this could be if this goes unchecked. If, If I'm the chancellor, like I said, I will go back to how I started this. I have a very good set of people or company come in, do an independent review, of my program, I had them call every kid who's left in the last year and say, these things will be anonymous. You will be protected. Tell us what is going on here. I think they would get some answers that would floor them in many occasions. I do not think the athletic department needs to be involved in that at all, but I think that's the thing that he needs to do today. He needs to be trying to find someone who can come in from the outside, who is very good at getting answers to find out what in the heck is going on. Because I think there is still a lot of fear and intimidation going on there, and a lot of people don't feel free to talk. And that's never how you get to the root of problems, and that's why people tell me, you can change coaches, but nothing's going to change till the other stuff gets fixed. See, I mean, that that language, uh, I mean, I don't understand that because these are not (laughs) – these are every, every one of those young people have options, real options. They don't have to be in Vanderbilt. Not one of them has to. 
they all clearly have other options they could go to. So why would they buckle to intimidation like that as if they have no, it's either there or they can go work at Kenny's Shoes? That's not a thing. If, if I'm a student athlete who had SEC, an SEC offer, I'm pretty sure I had all kinds of offers of, at, at, at other places, that if you want to be a jackass and treat me like crap, uh, uh, screw you and I'm out. But you're making it sound as if they, boy, you keep your mouth shut if you know what's good for you type of deal. And, and I'm not saying you're wrong at all. You're probably 100% right. But why would that even be a sure that any and everybody knew what they had just done and the way that they're talking to me there's no way unless they're literally talking about killing me and my family that i am going to sit back and say okay well i'll just i'll just be quiet then you're talking about 20 year olds 22 year olds who 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 play a highly driven testosterone filled sport how are you going to keep them all silent how could you just threaten what would you have to threaten them with besides nothing Oh, you'd be you surprised. Have any, you have what do you have? Surprise me then. Tell okay. me what they have that they can actually make them all keep their mouths shut. Twenty year olds, especially today, you couldn't keep me quiet. I guarantee you. You threaten me, I'm going to make sure everybody knows what you did. Everybody. Okay. Two things. When you transfer out of a school, if you're going to transfer some somewhere else, you need to leave in good standing. In a number of ways, you also have to, If let's say you decide as a kid that you just want to graduate and get on with it, right? And, and not play football anymore. You better watch your step as you progress toward graduation. I'll just leave it at that. You threatening me? Cool. Guess what? Mom, Dad, I was just threatened by Vanderbilt, and all these parents are just going to sit back and let an institution threaten their children? Not this guy. You know, and none of them, you're telling me that every one of them are uh, that are being threatened with this and that by that university, and not one parent would speak up uh, publicly about that? Because I would. And I'm pretty sure you would, too. But none of them are speaking up about that? Oh, you know, the most interesting comment that somebody made to me when I had my little two-game banning from the press box was that now you kind of get a look at what happens to people who speak up around here. What? What happens? I've said all I can well, say. No, 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 no. Let's not leave. Let's not. No, no. Let's not leave that. What's gonna happen? What are you gonna do to me? Nothing. You can't do anything. You don't have any leverages at school. You're gonna take my scholarship away. Go ahead, and I'm gonna make sure that entire world knows what you're leveraging against me and what you're trying to do. And I'm going to tell them about my experiences and I'm going to record you talking to me the way you're talking to me, especially if it's a gigantic group of people year after year. There's no way that uh, there's no way I'd let that slide. No chance. Zero. Man, stuff goes on all the time that you think this doesn't make sense. And, And I'm not, you saw Jeff Epstein. You saw what the Catholic Church did for decades and still does in a lot of cases, by the way. I'm not going to go any further than that, but you would be surprised what people can get away with if they're not stood up to. 
I, I agree with that, but the people we're not talking about, you know, 12, 13 year olds or, you know, who have no voice. And I know what you're saying in regards to the pistol. We're talking about grown 22 year old testosterone field SEC football players. They're not going to sit there and just cower down to some jackrabbit with a bow tie who tells them they'll keep their mouth shut if they knows what's good for them. I can't even conceive of that. Can't conceive of it. I can't. I can't imagine all of them saying, "Okay, all right." whatever you say. And then think about it like this. You could tell me that that happens to them and they wouldn't say that to, they wouldn't tell the recruits that are coming in uh, to coming into the program or coming in on these trips, how it would really be that they would just say that they basically become part of some cult and they would tell them it's wonderful. Come join us. You'll love it. I, I just can't believe that that's the way that it is. How many kids are left now? Are we over 30? Yes, but unfortunately, we can't completely decipher because you and I both know that a lot of programs have had a lot of people leave and that COVID-19 is a reality. And there's somewhere in there, it's hard to know what the numbers are in that regards of, of who left because of that, who didn't. You know, so I adequately do that as before we're dealing with a global pandemic. Well, let's move on to the next one. Diehard VU fans is if a coaching change was made right now and they put you in charge of the football team, what would you do differently the remainder of the season? Fire the athletic director. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, what would I do differently? Let's go back to last week. They were doing the things that they needed to do to win a football game. The game plan was right. The execution, for the most part, was there. They just turned the football over. I didn't particularly have – did you have a particularly – Big problem with the play calling? I didn't. I thought they blitzed when they needed to. Uh, the game plan was solid. The game plan was solid. Uh, now, that's not always the case, but it definitely was in Starkville. And, if, look, if this team replicates the effort, I know the results are what they are, Chris, and I get that, but if this team replicates the efforts of College Station and Starkville, I'm never going to be satisfied with a loss. I've told you that many times. You know that. But I'll live with that. That's competitive football. Uh, that's getting after it. That's something that looks like a game plan. It's the South Carolina and Ole Miss games that, that, that make you just sit there and say, what am I doing? Why am I wasting three hours? I, w- I would replicate the game plans of, Star- of Starkville and, and College Station personally. What about you? I thought they did a good job with both those games. The thing that I would have changed, I was just sitting there watching the TV and going, what, what are you guys doing? They should have gotten more pressure on the passer, I thought, in the first quarter and a half of that game. And by the time they did, they were down 17 nothing, and they never got it back. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. And, and you know, once they started getting some, then, it, then they, some pressure, they got a little, a little bit more and a little bit more. They're not incapable. I mean, do we have dominant pass rushers? Not by any stretch. But I think that I think Adengbo and Mincy are guys who can, who can mix it up a little bit and get after them. Like and yet they're thirteenth in the league in sacks. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm right there with you. I mean, there. I'm just, uh, you know, I, again, we don't have, you know, there's not a Miles Garrett on this football team, and he's not walking through the door. Uh, but yeah, I, I'd agree with that. If if there's something that I would change, it would be more pressure on the quarterback. Okay, Mr. Vandy says, if you were in charge of the decision of getting the next head coach for Vandy, who would be your top three choices? 
who would be my top three choices? I, one of them has to be Bill Clark. You, you know how I feel. You, 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 you know how I feel. I, 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 have, I have to go uh, with Bill Clark. I, I just I, – I would love to have him uh, as the head football coach. Um, I'm going to throw a name out there for you. You ready? Yeah. How about Jamie Chadwell? That one's come up a few times lately. Now, I think it's just – Has it? Well, I mean – speculation and blogs and stuff. I don't know that there's anything to it, but he's going to be one of the hot names, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess the, I guess my question is when I answer this is, is I want to, I want to, you know, cast my lure, you know, in places that I know I'm going to catch fish. You know, I'm, I'm not going to say, sit here and say Hugh freeze because Hugh freeze is not going to take that job. Even if he offered to him. So I wish he would. Hugh, call me. Uh, I, I, okay, look, here's what I'm going to do. And maybe, maybe this is a pretty oh, simplified list and you, it's, it's not outside of the box. But give, give me, in, in no particular order, Healy, Clark, and Chadwell. Yeah, I was going to say, I think mine would be Clark, Healy, and Clark Lee. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. You, you, you're right. Former Commodore. He played NBA. He did, I believe. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, he's uh, he's pretty well thought of. I would think that'd be a possibility. I don't know. I mean, I've not heard anybody specifically say it. I've not asked, but I feel like that's a family that goes back to Vanderbilt for a couple of generations, and I think that school loves Vanderbilt. I used to see Clark's dad at practice when Clark was a walk-on and talk to him. I mean, really liked him, too. And I feel like I knew right. Clark a little bit, not really well, but you kind of feel like sometimes in some families, if you know the dad, you know the kid. I think that's one that just because of their roots and their devotion to that school, I think Clark would, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing he would listen. Somebody might have said, hey, man, this is so screwed up. It's not worth your time. I don't know. But my guess is that he would, oh. but it's a guess. Chris, Chris, Maybe if somebody has said this name to you before, maybe they haven't, but I'm about to throw out there the ultimate wild card. You ready for this? Let's have it. You can laugh in my, you can laugh in my face, Chris Lee. I won't get mad at you. Laugh at me all you want, Commodore Nation. What about just down the street from you? I mean, literally, just down the street from you. What about Trent Dilfer? Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm leery of guys that have never done it at a bigger level because I don't think he's ever coached anywhere outside of high school, has he? Derek Mason was a defensive coordinator at Stanford. Well, but Derek had been a defensive coordinator or position coach in college or in the NFL for, what, 20 years? And, and here we are. Well, I don't know that that's the best way to approach it, but, well, but, but uh, no, and I hear you. No, I look don't, again. I said this is way outside of the box, but here's what I would tell you: take a look at Lipsum Academy right now. Okay, when he got there, they were doing absolutely nothing. Now they're beating CPA, and <laughs> and not it is not just about running up the numbers either. Man, they're playing great defense. They're playing great offense. Uh, he is certainly a national name. I believe he would be able to recruit well. And Chris, frankly, I, I mean, this may sound like a defeatist, but what do you have to lose? 
Well, look, what? he might what, be what great. I just think it's too big of a risk. What's the risk? The uh, risk what, is he's never been risking? a head coach above high school. That's totally different. Chris, what are you risking? We don't have anything. We have nothing left to lose. We have no one at our games. No one cares anymore. You know, <laughs> we don't have anything to lose, Chris. I mean, that's why, because we are in this situation, I mean, that's not like we'd be give, giving him the keys to a program who has really been doing well for a while now, and we need him to either keep it at that level or take it to a next level. We're below the bottom of the barrel at this point. Uh, are you saying you just go straight to Trent Dilfer without offering anybody else? No, of course not. I gave you three names before that, but I'm giving you another. I'm giving you a little somebody. A, a well, how would we p- p- uh, phrase this as a a uh, a wild card type of candidate? You know, thinking outside of the box. No, would I take him over over Chadwell or Clark or or, or, or Healy? Probably not. Uh, you know, but it's it's just an outside of the box way of thinking because. Right now, I mean, this clearly is not the answer. And, yes, I would take one of those other three guys first. But Trent Dilfer, for what he does lack in in, in experience as a head coach on the collegiate level, you know. I mean, think about it like this, Chris. Gus Malzahn didn't have any head coaching experience on the college level. He didn't have any coordinatorship, uh, you know. He didn't have any – he was a high school coach. You know, and and now he's won a national – he's won – was he – wait, does he have a national title? Yeah, oh, what's his face? Or no, wait a minute. Uh, no, Gus. No, that was Gene Chizik. Chizik got Chizik one with Cam top. Newton, right? Right. Did Gus go straight from high school to? Wait a minute. Which he went Arkansas. to he went to high school to be a, and then he went to. Oh goodness! He became the offensive court. He went the became the offensive coordinator at Arkansas because he brought Mitch Mustaine and uh, the Williams kid and a couple of other kids from his high school. If I remember correctly, he went from, uh, was it one of the high schools there in Arkansas, to the OC in in Fayetteville. Yeah, but here's the step you're missing. Those guys were coordinators or coaches in college for a few years before they took that next step, and I think that's pretty significant. I'm Trent Dilfer. I'll go find me an offensive coordinator. Not like I don't know the game myself, but I'll go find me a, an experienced offensive coordinator who wants to jump on with me and tra- and tackle something different. I mean, look, again, I'm not banging the drum for Trent Dilfer. I'm just doing a little outside-of-the-box thinking because, I mean, where we are now is certainly not where we need to be. Yeah, I mean, and that's fine. I just think it's a – obviously, it's a huge leap. Uh, people don't try it for a reason. And, and maybe, maybe it's fine, right? I mean, sometimes in sports for – decades people say hey this won't work and then somebody tries it and it does right so it wouldn't be the first time but I don't know I think you're an SEC school you would have to in my mind get pretty far down before you go there that doesn't mean it wouldn't work I haven't been in a room with Trent Dilfer I don't know if he knows exactly how all this works and would have the guys in place to do it but I just think it would be uh, it would be a real feat to pull off to, to get from there to here it's completely true, but I'll just say this. I also remember, you know, when I was hosting the Hugh Free show, and he's an NAI coach at a very average NAI football program. Uh, and I remember, and you and I talked about this, and I said, this is the guy that you want. 
and he already was who he was. And yes, I know it's collegiate football, but it was NAIA. Is that better than Little Academy? Of course it is. You know, but he was ready. You could see sometimes, Chris, you know the goods when you see it. Now, I'm not calling Trent Dilfer that. I knew I knew Hugh Freeze was. Trust me when I tell you, he could have walked straight in from Jackson, Tennessee, and Lambeth University, been the head coach at Vanderbilt, and had him winning football games within a year. I promise you that. Sometimes if you're the goods, you're the goods. Well, that's funny because the next question is from Knoxville Door 94. Ask your opinion on Hugh Freeze. Give everybody a quick background of your history with Hugh. I don't know if the questioner knows that you actually knew okay. him and worked with him a little bit, yeah. but I'll let you hit it. Yeah. yeah, Hugh's my boy. I mean, and, and that's, you know, that's, I know that's going to rub some people the wrong way. Uh, first met Hugh Freeze, uh, Chris, when I was a high school football player. Uh, we were in the captain's meeting, and I had broken my hand the week before. Uh, against Memphis East and we went out there and I had this huge club of tape and butt pads on my hand and Hugh Freeze comes out to the captain's meeting and he knew exactly what he was doing and this is such a a Hugh thing to do he knew uh, he said he can't play he's got something underneath in there he's going to hurt one of my boys well he knew that wasn't true but he also knew that the referee is going to make me take that thing off to inspect it which they did which I didn't have anything but butt pads, and they said it was fine. But guess what, Chris? I had to spend the first drive on the sidelines right there getting that thing retaped. He knew what he was doing. You know, and, and that's how we met. And when later on I asked him about that, and he totally remembered it, and, and we talked about that. But, no, full disclosure, I used to do the – I used to host the uh, Hugh Free show. Uh, it was a call-in show, and he would, and, and uh, I used to host that show. And, and he, he would be in the studio, and we'd take phone calls. And, and do football, and his young daughter would be over there in the corner drawing butterflies <laughs> all, all day long, uh, kind of the way that uh, Bella is with unicorns, hers was butterflies. Uh, but got to know you, and, and I'll tell you what, even when he took, the, he took another job and went off to uh, Jonesboro, it was signing day, and I called him, and, uh, you know, the crazy thing about it was is he was, he was about to walk in to the uh, to the auditorium or whatever it is to discuss, you know how we do at Vanderbilt sometimes when we discuss the recruiting class and the signees and all that. He was he was about to do that and he said, "Look, hey, he said, if you give me you know thirty minutes, I got to do this real quick, uh, and uh, I'll call you back." He did that, calls me back on the air and persists and on, on signing day to do an hour long interview with me. You know, and and that and that's just. That You know, I, I get all the other stuff. It is what it is. I'm not going to sit here and try to excuse for that. But the dude that I know, the dude that I've interacted with, uh, has always been good to me. And, and you know, so, I'm, you know, I'm the, you're going to have a hard time making me say anything bad about the guy. I get what happened. I don't condone it in any way. But I'm probably not going to talk bad about the guy either. Ann Arbor asks who were the seven to eight players who will play the most minutes this season most to least I will let you answer your question just for a little background when you're done I talked to Jerry Stackhouse about this and this would have been June no this would have been July I believe because I did Vanderbilt's preview for Blue Ribbon College Basketball Yearbook and I kind of picked his brain on architecture playing time I'm not going to say that he told me straight up, all right, this is who's going to play the most, and this is who's going to play the least. But I was able to draw some conclusions. So I'll let you give a guess, and then I'll tell you 
what I think he's going to do with the qualification that this was this summer and so stuff could have changed as kids practice and improve or, or whatever. But I'll let you give yours first, and then I'll tell you how I would rank that. Okay, and this is minutes-wise the top eight? Yes. Well, uh, I, I'm going to do this as I count. Uh, Scotty Pippen Jr., uh, of course. Dylan has to be in there somewhere, Dylan DeSue. Max Evans is another that I think is going to play a significant role. DJ Harvey plays a huge role. Cleavon, is, is Cleavon fully healthy, Chris? As far as I know. Okay, Cleavon, uh, five. Abena, six. I want to say Isaac McBride, you know, now that he's been cleared. I don't know. Ty Lawrence, maybe. Here's how I've got it. I've got it. DeSue, Pippen, Harvey, Brown, Evans, Melora Brown, McBride, Obina, and Lawrence. McBride is sort of the wild card. I don't know as much what to do with him, but I think that probably six or seven is probably a good place to start with him. Because I think DeSue and Pippen are starting. Harvey's starting, right? Uh, Brown's going to start, and I think Evans will. He's always liked Evans. So I think Malore Brown is their sixth man, and then McBride, you know, he'll come in. I think he'll play with with Pippen sometimes, and they'll have a couple of point guards on the floor. And And then Lawrence is sort of a wild card too, but that's how I have got it handicapped. Uh, who who did you and I differ from? I don't think we were different a lot. I can't remember if you said Malora Brown or not. I did not. That's why I'm trying to figure out who. Uh, I'm trying to figure out who who uh, who would be who who we who we differed on because I did not mention him. Yeah, I think he'll be first guy off the bench. Okay. All right. I see. I I, I don't know enough about him. Uh, still and still haven't seen him. So, uh, wh- what are some of the things that you have heard report-wise about him? What can what can we count on uh, from the kid the kid from Rice, right? Not a lot. I mean, there was some talk about how he was really good in practice last year, you know that that kind of thing. But I, I don't know that they had you know, a lot of competition in the post <laughs> at times, uh, especially with right. Brown being hurt. So I don't know what to make of that. And and they don't let anybody into practices. Uh, and and they don't talk a lot, so I, I don't know. I mean, I'm – you know, at Rice, I've said this from the beginning, um, he was a very efficient player at Rice. Uh, his shooting numbers were good. He pulled a good number of rebounds for 40 minutes, that kind of thing. So I don't know how Conference USA translates to the SEC two years later, but on paper he was a quality player there. Well, that'll be interesting to see what happens, man, uh, because he could, we could certainly use the depth there. Of course, uh, I mean, it just sounds – I mean, of course, I say it sounds. It looks like architecturally the way this, being, this team is being built, for the most part, by far, and I'm sure you'd agree with this, is a perimeter-first team. Yeah, I think so. And, I mean, and you say that, I mean, even the post guys, I think, are going to step out and shoot threes. At least, uh, at least Cleavon Brown will, for sure. Right. Yeah. You know, I, by the way, Chris, I'm, I'm sure you've seen this, uh, on the board today, but, uh, about, uh, the fact that, uh, Caleb, uh, Granzales decided to stick with the Auburn commit. I had not seen that. Yeah. That's, uh, that's from Sean. 
that that he's going to stick with that. Now, my question is, is this to you: This class doesn't have a quarterback, and and Danny Clark's already rolled out. That leaves us with three scholarship quarterbacks next year, and and was it Jeremiah? So we haven't seen him at all. Doesn't this team need to have one more quarterback? Uh, you would think. You know, and as far as you know, you can say, "Well, you get somebody for the transfer portal." Well, who's going to come here when they see Ken Seals here? You know, they know it's his job, and they know he's—they're not—they're not going to bench Ken Seals. Uh, so, I mean, I think if they're going to get a quarterback, it would have to be a prep quarterback at this point. I would think. Yeah, but neither neither of us saw JUCO kids coming last winter either so who knows no but no but that job was a wide open competition that is not the case anymore that is ken seal's job well that's true you know so but i mean i don't know i mean look look if you're scared off by a a true freshman well then you probably don't need to be here anyway but uh you know that job is not nearly as vacant as it was this time last year so something just thought i'd put that out there for you two more before I let you go, okay. KT Doors or KT Four Doors says, "Do you hate Philip Rivers as much as I do?" I don't hate Philip Rivers because it's not Philip Rivers' fault that he's almost thirty-nine years old. Uh, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's he's had an amazing career. The the problem is is that the way the way with, with him in the game. Look, I think anything past their intermediate is kind of out the window. Even the 10-yard out terrifies me. He doesn't put enough on it. Now, at times, he can still get zip on the football, but some of the throws that he's made, that's anything past the 10 yards, terrifies me. I mean, the ability to hook up over the top is almost non-existent. If it were, if it did exist, this would be a much more dangerous football team than it currently is. I mean, it's a, it's a good football team. Don't get me wrong. And uh, that offensive line makes up for a multitude of Phillip Rivers sins, but a couple of things to deal with, to think about. One, Phillip Rivers has zero, and I mean zero, mobility. I would much rather, when when the stuff goes down, I'd much rather hand have the ball snap directly to Oreo than I would Phillip Rivers. Uh, and the other side of things is, and what really bugs me, I think, the most about him is that he gives up on a play almost instantaneously if it's not there instantaneously he gives up and throws that ball in the ground and doesn't allow anything to potentially materialize he just throws the ball away and says well you know we'll live to fight another down and you know look he's going to be hall of fame quarterback and i'm sitting in a kroger parking lot in jackson tennessee doing a podcast but that doesn't make me wrong you know i mean i i respect the heck out of philip rivers and he's been all right for the most part but the truth of the matter is that he severely limits this offense. The effort on that tackle on the fumble return touchdown was just epic. I mean, I know, man. <laughs> just he, he looked like a turtle who couldn't turn over. You know what I mean? That's the best way to put it. I didn't know how to describe it, but I think you have hit the nail on the head there. I, I, that's that's what I saw when I saw that, which – this is a good football team. It is. And and the thing, and I had a conversation with my mail carrier today. She's a big Colts fan. And the thing about it was, is, is if this team gets to a point where they realize they're not going to make the playoffs, then I immediately put him on the bench, and I don't bring Jacoby Brissett, and I bring in Jacob Eason. Why? 
because I need to know what I have, you know, and you tell me a, a team who, who is, and I'm going to say as good as they are, but what, uh, how many other teams out there that are playoff caliber or right there at it, who have everything else they need, but a quarterback. The answer is very few. Plus they have the third most cap space going into the off season. So they could make some things happen. As soon as I figure that it's clear that I'm not making the playoffs or that this is a fruitless effort, uh, Philip Rivers is on the bench and Jacob Eason comes in because I need to know what I have, you know, do I, as, because he is the only one, you know, you know that Jacob Eason is the under contract past 21 and 8%. Both come off the books. So, and I don't think you want to go into another season of Phillip Rivers as your quarterback. And Jacoby Brissett certainly isn't going to resign. So you would think uh, you'd find out right now, is it Eason or is it not? He had the biggest arm in the draft, but he had a million question marks to go along with him. Yeah, I think you've got to play your way out of playoff consideration first, don't you? Oh, completely. Yes. As long as there's still that opportunity, you, 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 you go with rivers. You do. I, I, you absolutely ride 17 until it's clear that you're out. But when it, when that's clear, you don't just finish out the string. You find out what you have in the, in the rookie signal caller out of Washington. My man, the mailbag is done. Did you have anything else before we end the show today? Man, the dishes are done, man. The only thing that I have to say is go Colts. I love you, Commodore Nation. You know that I do, and I know most of you are Titans fans. Uh, Understand something. Don't take this personally, but I have been a Colts fan since 1972. I don't know how to not pull for them. It sucks to me that the Titans moved here or that the Oilers moved here uh, in the sense that I like to go to the games, but I have to root against your success. And I don't want to do that because I do like the Titans, and I certainly like the fan base. But what am I supposed to do, Chris? I'm, I'm almost 50 years in. Just, pre- just pretend like that didn't happen. You know, I, you know, I love you all. I respect your fan base. But tonight I want nothing to do with you. All right, Peter wanted us to each make quick picks on the game. These are going to be outdated by the time people hear them, but I'll let you go first. You know, I have felt all day long, and I never, I never uh, react on emotion when it comes to something like that. Uh, analyzing this football game, you know, the Colts have actually surrendered six yards per carry to Derrick Henry in his last three or four, three or four matchups against the two. The difference this time being around that there's no Taylor one and Indianapolis has DeForest Buckner. I think that makes a big difference tonight in this football game. I could be dead wrong, but I don't think that this game comes down to, to, to Derrick Henry. I think it comes down to Ryan Tannehill. Uh, that's who I think it comes down to. Uh, and then there's the aspect of the pass rush. Uh, you know, that's one of the things. Look, they signed uh, they signed Vic Beasley and Clowney because they wanted to get more pressure on the quarterback. Beasley's not there anymore. Clowney's banged up and hadn't really done anything. Um, that offensive line is hard to get past. If Phillip Rivers gets the time, he can get it done. Maybe not over the top but he can get it done. I think the biggest ma- one of the biggest matchups tonight, both teams get a player back. The Colts get T.Y. Hilton. The Titans get Adoree Jackson. T.Y. Hilton has 20, oh, 22 catches on the whole season. He's done absolutely nothing. If he's healthy tonight and there's going to be a breakout for Ghost, tonight would be that night. If he has a big game, I think it's a dig of what the offense is doing. 
and I think the Colts can get this thing pulled out. If the Titans are able to dictate game tempo and they can get pressure on Phillip Rivers, he is terrible at doing anything with it, uh, and they can force some turnovers, then I, then I think the Titans get it done. To me, this is the game of the year for both teams. I think there is almost nothing between these two teams difference differential-wise. I think they're basically, if we were talking about a power ranking, I think there's nothing between these two teams. I think they are pretty much dead even. Um, I don't know what home field means anymore. Uh, it's not worth three points these days without the big crowd. Uh, man, this truly is a pick'em, and in this one, I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm gonna do something I generally don't do, and I'm gonna ride with my feeling on this one. And I have felt since the time I woke up this morning that Indianapolis gets this win. You know, they have to have it. They know it. They lose this game, and they're done for the division. They they simply have to hunt for the wild cards. Titans lose this game, and they're still both six and three. I think desperate times call for desperate measures, and the Colts eke a great game out, 23-20. to 20. Yes, that's what I want to happen, but it's not why I'm predicting it. I'm going to go 24-23 Titans. Two things make me nervous. One, the fact that the Titans would have to kick a field goal to get to 24, uh, unless they score three touchdowns and get three <laughs> two-point conversions, which might not be the worst strategy with their kicking game, but um, – and just the fact that they're the stinking Colts, man. Just when you think <laughs> the Titans are going to get one over, the, you know, the Colts. What? Uh, they, they've just owned that series. But, I mean, we did Colts. we did break that drought last year. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like being at home on a short turnaround uh, and, and the Colts having Mac out and, and some of the stuff, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like, I feel like we're a pretty good offensive football team. I feel like defensively, I know it was the Bears. We started to do some things better last week. So, I don't know. I'm with you. I think it's a pick em game, and I don't think you could really be criticized for going either way. Yeah. I mean, I, look, this, this this game is a toss-up. It really is. Can't believe you call them the stinking Colts, but, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, This it's. I, I think we're all in for a treat tonight. I really do. Yeah, and speaking of which, uh, I've got to go cook dinner. And you've got to go do the things that they pay Another you job. for. Right. So uh, with that, tell folks where they can find you on Twitter and where they can find you online. Yeah, brother, you can find me on Twitter at, at Cheat Seats Bass. You can find me online at WNWS.com. And you can listen Monday through Friday, 6 to 8 p.m. on 101.5 in Jackson, Tennessee. A show called The Cheap Seats. Getting ready to start year 21. He is Seabass. I'm Chris Lee. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Thank you to Seabass, as always, for doing this. This should be the last episode we do this week, but stay tuned. We'll have more coming your way next week on the Vandy Sports Podcast.